In preparatory for his class, let's turn to John chapter 10. And he's asked us to read verses 1 through 16. And apologize in advance, I thought I had my King James Version with me, but I'm reading from a new King James for this reading. John 10, 1-16. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the, th- the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pasture. And a thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but he who is a hireling and not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and and am known by them, or and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So at this time, let's give our attention to Brother Herb Thomas. morning. We have chosen 
to um, well, first let me say that I, I agonized for quite a while as to how to approach this subject and uh, slightly different tact than what we've had so far I think we've chosen rather than the um, expression in verse 7 I am the door of the sheep we've chosen the expression the phrase in verse 9 I am the door <clears throat> and we approach it from that perspective in the scriptures God is represented to us as a wise a wise master builder indeed we read several times of a place of his choosing in Deuteronomy 12 in Deuteronomy 12 and 5 we read but under the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there even unto his habitation shall ye seek thither thou shalt come deity then is engaged in a building program a building program And as Dr. Thomas puts it, his words, he intends to enthrone himself upon the earth, and in so doing, in so doing, develop a divine family from among men. So deity is building a house, a house of people. The work then has been in process a long, long time. The latter stage of this work has been in progress since creation, in that it has been His declared purpose, God's declared purpose, that all creation shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. When he finished creation, God looked at all he had created, and behold, it was very good. However, very, very quickly, probably less than two days later, he was compelled to curse the ground because of Adam's sin. In the parable of the sheep, and the goats. Matthew relates these words of Jesus. Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. As a wise master architect, God developed a perfect plan. As a wise master builder, he carried out his plan perfectly. Built into that plan were evidences of himself and his character and how his plan would be implemented. Turn, if you will, to Acts 
chapter 15, and we'll read from verse 14. Acts 15, beginning verse 14. Am I coming loud and clear okay? Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. And verse 18 Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Clearly, God has overseen the outworking of his plan of redemption, and it has been put on record for man to search out and see if he, man, might understand. We find then that isolated events appear for a moment, disappear, and sometimes many years later reappear. And only by careful perusal does one recognize that the second time was meaningful and worthy of investigation. So if we might be so bold, it is the genius of deity that he instructs us by his words and provokes us to dig a little deeper or investigate a little further and by so doing come to the comprehension that in the life and work of his Son, are all the details revealed. The work of creating, sustaining, and finally selecting a family has at times been painful. We say painful because Peter has put on record God's feeling in this regard. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. We'll read from verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing, not 
willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. At Kadesh Barnea, after bitterly complaining about the dangers that lay ahead in the land of Canaan, God told Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with a pestilence, and I will disinherit them, and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Again, after a rather lengthy stay upon the mount, the people fashioned a molten calf after Moses' lengthy stay upon the mount. The people fashioned a molten calf that they could see and lead them out of the wilderness. An act which provoked God to say unto Moses a second time, Go, get thee down. For thy people which thou hast broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And we read in Exodus 30, Exodus, Exodus And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Moses besought Yahweh, and he repented of the evil which he had thought to do unto the people. Later, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rebelled against the authority that God had given unto Moses. In Numbers 16, verse 2, And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, the Lord is among them, therefore, wherefore then lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. As a result of this rebellious attitude, God caused the earth to open up and all their goods and their families were swallowed up and perished. 
Peter, writing of this event, Peter, Second Peter, chapter two, verse one. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon them swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And though and through covetous, covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Such was this continual backsliding into pernicious ways. Such was this utter, utter lack of faith that eventually, eventually, God told Ezekiel. Ezekiel 21. 24 Therefore thus saith the Lord God because ye have made your iniquity to be remembered in that your transgressions are discovered so that all your iniquity to be remembered in that your transgressions are discovered so that in all your doings your sins do appear because I say that ye are come to repentance, to remembrance, excuse me, ye shall be taken with the hand. And thou, profane, wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come, when iniquity shall have an end, thus saith the Lord God, remove the diadem, and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low, and abase him that is high. I'll overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he come, whose right it is, and I will give it to him. The he that Ezekiel speaks of has been in the plan and purpose of deity since the beginning. And so as an indictment against the serpent, God said in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It, or he, shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Later, as he tested Abraham, Moses records these words. Genesis 22 Beginning at verse 16, and he said, By myself 
By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Indeed, God speaking to Moses during one of their sessions upon the mount, said, As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. David, writing in the 72nd Psalm, verse 19, writes, And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and Amen. Even the prophets write of this same sentiment. Habakkuk 2, 14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. John writing in the Apocalypse, chapter 4, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray made this request a priority Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth. And as he was making his way towards Gethsemane, in his own personal prayer, Matthew 26, verse 39, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. In the middle of a discourse, on the cares of this life, we read in Luke chapter 12, 31, and 
starts in verse 27. Consider the lilies how they grow, how they toil not. They spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubtful of mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure, your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is very clear to me that God, while patiently overseeing His plan and purpose for this world and mankind upon it, has given man opportunity, given man opportunity with promise and certain guidelines which must be followed. He has also presented man with leadership and example. Now that my lengthy prologue has been presented, let's look at that leadership and example. Let's examine closely what is meant by I am the door. When we consider that I am the door is a perfectly legitimate, grammatically correct statement, there are two nouns, one subject, one predicate, and one adjective. Door, as a noun, serves as an adjective and is a metaphorical description of the personal pronoun I. Our task then is to determine what meaning is that we need to attach to this expression. Webster gives us a definition for door, an opening or entrance, a barrier, a way. Roger's thesaurus on synonyms gives for door a gate, a portal, an entrance. And as we mentioned earlier, God has revealed his plan through the life and work of Jesus Christ. As a door, are we given to understand that on the other side, or through we find something new, something different, possibly something revolutionary, or unexpected. In this age in which we live, there is another influence, and that is the media, and its associated advertising center, 
Madison Avenue. They have bombarded us with such ideas as it is available, so you need it. It's available, so you want it. You can have it. They are also responsible for a recent campaign that says that opportunity knocks, so grab it. We thought about that sometime, for some time, and came to the conclusion that a door presents opportunity. As a matter of fact, there once was a highly popular TV game show that presented three doors, and behind each door was a prize. Christ did not say he was a closed door, but through him there indeed is opportunity. The apostles spoke often about the promises of God and the call for man to repent. So in 1 John 2.25, we read... And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Paul writes in 2 Timothy. Second Timothy, very first verse, first chapter. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. In Titus chapter 1, Verse 2, he writes, In the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. From these testimonies, we can see that eternal life is promised and therefore a gift of God. The Apostle Paul puts it in terms of hope and writes to Titus in chapter 3, verse 7, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. When we consider that the opportunity is through the door that is Christ then, we see passages such as this from the pen of John. 1 John 4.9 1 John 4.9 In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. John 10, verse 10.
The thief cometh not for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have life more abundantly. To the Romans, Paul writes, chapter 5, verse 15, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And then following down in verse 21, That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Lest anyone think that the promises and God's gift of life are to be universally meted out, the scriptures are equally clear concerning the ignorant. For Solomon writes in Proverbs, The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. David similarly writes in Psalms, Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. And so Deuteronomy, or Moses writing in Deuteronomy, he very clearly spells out the choices and the results of those choices to the children of Israel. God would give them life and length of days if they obeyed. In Deuteronomy 30 verse 11 Beginning at verse 11, For this commandment which I command unto thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven, and bring it unto us, that we might hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea, that thou should say, Who shall go over the sea for us, and bring it unto us, that we might hear and do it? Verse 14 also. But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, very nigh, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. He tells them that there is set before them life and good and death and evil. Indeed, God has made the same offer to the rest of mankind, but they have overwhelmingly turned him down. Indeed, David was moved to write in the Psalms, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Such is the condition of the world around us. But we are not left out into the dark. While there must always have been a thread of truth and a handful of faithful, approximately 170 years ago, John Thomas began his quest to not rest until he fully understood what would happen to him should he perish. 
It is said that that quest came to fruition some 13 years later with, as he expresses it, arriving at the truth of the gospel. The good doctor was re-immersed for the hope of Israel. And it was about this time that while visiting Great Britain, he wrote and published Alpus Israel. Part of that understanding is tucked very neatly in the passage Second Samuel Chapter seven. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tucked very neatly in a passage we read earlier in Genesis, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Apostle Paul, commenting on this, writes to the Galatians. Is that right? Yeah, Paul writing to the Galatians writes, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Brother Thomas commenting on this promise and the relationship between Abraham and Christ writes in Alpha's Israel, page 240, Abraham and Christ are inseparable, inseparably, excuse me, associated as co-heirs of the covenant of promise. And of this association, the apostle writes also to the Galatians, For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, Thomas Williams, writing in The World's Redemption, on his section on baptism, writes, the matter may be the more easily discerned by keeping in mind that a saving relationship to Christ is expressed in the New Testament by the phrase, in Christ. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians, Now he which established us with you in Christ hath anointed us as God. And in another place, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And again, Brother Thomas writes in Alpha's Israel, Abram's descendants will be a great nation, and he in Christ will be a blessing by all the families of the earth being in them. This was stated in general terms when the gospel was preached to Abraham at Haran. And Brother Thomas makes the comment that in searching out these matters, the phrases, in thee, in him, and in thy seed should be particularly attended to, particularly attended to, and so can we make it any clearer? These phrases state the case that salvation has everything to do with being 
in Christ. What is the opposite condition? The apostle writing to the Ephesians puts it this way. Ephesians 2.11 Wherefore? Remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. And now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. No hope. That is a condition of the masses of humanity that are without Christ in the world. Continuing with Brother Thomas's commentary, he goes on to say, Before, however, a person or a nation or a multitude of nations could be said to be in the man, Abraham, and in the man, Christ Jesus, it is equally clear that they must pass into Abraham and into Christ. This brings us to our definition of the adjective door. It is the object that separates or allows passage from one room, one state, one condition to another. After the crucifixion of Jesus, and after even Pentecost, the apostles remained in Jerusalem taking every occasion to speak of the things they had witnessed. Indeed, Peter even took the opportunity to, be, to berate the men of Israel for the wicked deed they had a hand in, even the brutal crucifixion of David's greater son. Peter even went so far as to say that now, even before your eyes, that same Jesus has been glorified and honored by a place at God's own right hand. In this environment, Peter and John were instruments in the healing of a man, a, lamb, a man lame from his birth. Acts chapter 4 finds the apostles in the midst of a large crowd of people. They were preaching the doctrine of resurrection, and while they found considerable interest from among the people, they were arrested, and the inquiry was made as to what, by what power or authority do you preach. Thomas Williams then quotes from several passages, Peter speaking for the apostles, in Acts 4, verse 10, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And in whom we have redemption. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were once afar off are made nigh. And finally he quotes, If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. What we have before us is the concept, 
concept of being as in Christ, or another way of saying it, as through Christ. Now the definition, courtesy of Daniel Webster, makes a little sense. When one enters the waters of baptism, he becomes as one who has passed through a door. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. After his resurrection, Jesus spoke these words as recorded by Mark. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. The scriptures scream very, very loud. There is a strong connection between Christ, baptism, and salvation. When one enters the waters of baptism, then he not only is covered by water, he not only passes from one condition to another, but he is buried because he symbolically dies. Does he come out of the water changed? In what sense? Is he physically different? No. Just like our original premise, a door is a passage from, from one room, one condition, to another. A doorway does not change a person physically, but his situation does. In the case of baptism, it is one of relationship prior to. He is governed by the law of sin and death, after which the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You cannot be in two rooms at the same time. Nor can you be governed by two directly opposing laws. Who is the federal head of those governed by the law of sin and death? Adam. Why? Because all men were in the loins of Adam when he sinned. In Romans, Paul writes, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin... So death passed upon all men in whom all have sinned. Who is the federal head of all those governed by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? Christ. Why? Same writer. Same chapter. Romans 5.18 Therefore as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The Apostle writes to the Corinthians, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There is the argument, there is the argument in a nutshell. In Adam, all die. The contrasting statement can only be, in Christ shall all be made alive. You cannot be in Adam and Christ at the same time. This, I believe, is what Jesus had in mind when he said, I am the door. By being in Christ, you pass from one condition to another. 
You pass from being related to one federal head to being related to another. You pass from certain anonymity to being recorded in the Lamb's book of life. God tells us through Isaiah, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in dark places of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together that ye are escaped of the nations, that ye have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Speaking of Jesus who had recently been crucified, Peter says, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When a man believes the gospel apostolically delivered and submits to the baptism apostolically enjoined, he enters in by the door of the sheepfold. He enters in through, in, Christ, by whom there is no other entrance. The simplicity that is in Christ remains the truth. Christ is the door. And by him alone, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. So we conclude this section then with the um, verse Apocalypse 22. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Surely I come quickly. Even so, Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you.